The views and opinions reflected in any of the stories narrated are solely those of the story contributor and are not necessarily that of the Nightmare Society. This podcast features adult content, so listener discretion is highly advised. And if you or anyone you know is struggling, help is available. Please see the resources in the show notes. recently found out that my grandmom was in the graduating class at Revere High School of 1978. At that time, she was 18. This story came out because she said something when I told her about the new series on Netflix. Now you guys should know who I'm talking about. I told her about it and she goes, oh, I remember him. And I obviously told her that a lot of people knew him because, you know, what he's done and she stops me and goes no I graduated with him I stood there completely frozen now she showed me the yearbook picture but I don't know if I'm comfortable sharing that on the internet because I don't want people to find out information about my family anyways but I can't lie about this especially this so I'll tell you some things she told me She said she did go to high school with him, but there were so many kids in that school that she barely even talked to him. Everything you hear about him from high school is basically the 100% truth. He was the definition of weird. He would actually come to school drunk on some days. The only reason some people started to notice who he was was because he would spaz out at some sort of joke, and he would act like he was a kid with special needs. She said she doesn't remember if she had any memorable conversations with him, but she does remember one specific time she saw him in the hallway. She'd only heard about what he's done, but didn't know if it was actually true. So she asked him, Aren't you the boy who put on those acts in the hallways? He said, Yes, I am. Why? Do you find me funny? She goes on to say, Sure, everyone does. I've never really seen you. I've only heard the stories people tell. Just wanted to know if it was you. Well, you're right. It is me. Glad you find my jokes enjoyable. And then he smiled at her. Not a toothy smile, but a grin, I guess. She says she doesn't remember talking to him after that, since it was near the end of the school year when they had spoken. Apparently, the school year ended, and with her luck, he actually appeared at her college. 
He got kicked out shortly after for a drinking problem. She never knew of his family life, but didn't really want to know either, she says. But she could tell it wasn't good. She never saw him again after that. Well, except on TV. When she found out what he did, she couldn't even begin to describe how she felt about it, being the fact that she kind of knew him and went to school with him. Not saying that he was normal by any means, but with anybody that turns out like this, people normally say, I could never see them doing this. He says it disgusted her in a way she couldn't describe. The first thing the news said was that they caught somebody who they described as a murderer later on. They let out all the details of what he actually did, and that's what shook people. Seeing the new series really helps people understand how disgusting that man is. Well, it shows you what he went through, too. It doesn't make you feel bad for him, which nobody should. I'm glad he went out the way he did. Maybe if I didn't ask him that question that day, I wouldn't feel so uneasy. So, yeah. That's basically, in a nutshell, the story she told me. I can tell my mother feels uneasy when she talks about it, but I'm guessing my grandmother has told her already. If you'd like to watch the Netflix special on this person, it's called Monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story. shared this story with me. This is all verbatim and it's not exactly a short story, so it may trail off at some points, but I wanted to stay true to my uncle's account, hence why it's word for word. The following is all from his perspective and the use of I refers to himself. It happened around 20 odd years ago, very, very long ago now. It's when your father and I ran that call center doing the contracting work for various businesses, all within the financial services industry and roughly around 50 staff, including managers and supervisors and so on and so on. Things were a lot different then. The internet was still very much in its infancy, as was technology. We didn't have the same access to things as you would do now if you ran the same kind of operation. On top of this, we were running all of this out of a warehouse on an industrial estate right next to a Roma people's encampment. That's all we could afford at the time for the amount of floor space we needed. The campaign we were working on wasn't going so well for us. For the most part, we just worked out of phone books, and the likes to get leads as data costs and still does cost a fortune. So we were under a lot of stress to meet the sorts of deadlines and promises your father made to our B2B clients. So we were not in a great place. We were facing the possibility of cutting the staff down to at most 20 agents with two managers. And that's when we met Kevin. We'd heard of him from a few associates who ran similar operations as ourselves. As someone who could provide leads and generally had the ability to turn companies around... So your dad got in contact with him and went from there, really. We didn't actually hear back for about a month after contacting him. 
So we were really very much in the mindset of, well, screw all this over, close down and start something else somewhere else. And on the day we hyped ourselves up to tell everyone, you've all lost your jobs, we get a freaking phone call out of the blue. Who's on the phone? Kevin. Long story short, we discussed our situation, discussed his situation, gauged his interest, and dressed things up with a little bow on top to perk him up. By the end of the conversation, he'd agreed to come down from Scotland and meet with us and discuss options in person. So on Monday, we met with Kevin in the Hilton, and I didn't like him immediately. I thought he was overbearing condescending and a complete egomaniac but your father and his infinite wisdom decided to hear him out and it turned out Kevin had a huge amount of leads from one of his sources in America and needed a team of salespeople to dial them. We needed to supply 25 agents and in return we would get a fat back-end payment which would allow us to move premises, upgrade equipment, etc. So we agreed and a contract was written up and we began our venture. In order to maintain a more uh, hands-on approach to the business and to keep his contacts in the U.S. happy, Evan rented a flat close to the office and would often visit the office to monitor progress, which would normally consist of him lurking around with a coffee. It's also important to mention that Kevin had next to no people skills, and struck me as either socially awkward or maybe somewhere on the autistic spectrum or something. And soon enough, we began to get complaints, primarily from some of our younger female staff members, that Kevin would watch them too closely and hover around the women's bathrooms, which of course we had to take seriously, but we really weren't in the position to make this guy angry, who was potentially our savior, so... We would begin to hold BS meetings every time he showed up to get him off the floor and into the meeting room, which for a time worked, but eventually he would have to take a phone call halfway through and excuse himself. I later learned from one of the managers that he would hold up the phone to his ears and just watch the girls closely, not saying anything, and then follow them into the makeshift kitchen area and press himself up against them or at least stand very close to them and make them have to ask him to move or brush past him. We decided to hold a meeting with the female members of staff to ask them about their concerns and ask them if we could do anything to make their time at work more enjoyable, deliberately not mentioning Kevin, just to test the waters. And one by one, they all had something to say about Kevin. Some were just uncomfortable with his general demeanor, and some had been groped by him, and even propositioned, which was the final straw, really, so we decided to speak with Kevin and cut ties, and look at ways to exit the contract, when we get an email from Kevin, saying he's moving back up to Scotland, and will only be making quarterly visits. So we were understandably ecstatic that our lead source remains, but contact with staff will be limited, and we believe that no more problems shall arise and we can wear the caring boss hats who valiantly drove away a sex pest, which would no doubt boost staff morale. Fast forward another 12 months, and Kevin's visits have all been non-eventful, and the contract is drawing to a close, and we're excited to get our cut and expand and move on to another primary contract, 
When Kevin gets in touch with another plan to extend our contract and package our company up to be sold to a blue chip company, which specializes in the financial services industry, he would act as a broker and take a cut, but we'd make even more money than we originally thought, as well as half of the agreed amount we'd receive when this particular contract was supposed to end, just as a goodwill gesture. He mentioned he had a few contacts in London and the US which would be interested in merging our operation into their current sales team for a more dynamic sales approach. So this was something to ponder on and we agreed to get back to him. Anyway, I was thinking over the idea and decided to go to the local pub where I ran into a guy called Carl, who also ran a similar business as myself. And we got to chatting and he brought up Kevin, saying something along the lines of, You're working with Kevin Smith, aren't you? I was unsure how he knew this, so I asked him why. Why do you want to know? To which he responded with, That guy's a total freaking nutcase. Honestly. The things I could tell you about it. And at first I thought, here we go. This is just more gossip and BS and most likely jealousy, but curiosity got the better of me. And I asked, Go on then. Why is he a nutcase? And he laughed some more took another few sips of his lager and off the cuff said you know that geezer murdered his wife and admittedly i scoffed but carl's face was serious stone-like and unsmiling no we didn't i said still laughing he killed his wife mate i wouldn't make that up i can always remember the look in his eyes when he told me that i was unnerved but still you can't believe anyone in business, and I decided to probe him some more. What happened? I asked. I don't know the whole story, because he's kept very quiet. You won't find it in the papers or on the news or anything, but... Basically, his wife was found battered. No signs of a break-in, and the only other DNA in the house was his. He's a wealthy guy, though. Never got out in the press, and he managed to get off, but... I tell you... He's a dodgy guy. We had him with us in 98, and we exited out of our contract. Got loads of complaints about him. He's a perv, mate. So I'm thinking, oh bollocks. We have a murderer as our main source of income, and the guy's off his rocker. But I don't let on to Carl, and instead tell your dad. And he says, He's fine. He's eccentric. He's from a different era, and we should just hold out a bit longer. You know what your dad's like, he's got the moral compass of a bloody war criminal. But stupidly, I relented and we entered the new contract. And true to his word, we received half of the original agreed commission fee. So we were able to move offices and this is when Kevin decided to move back down south and take permanent residency at our new office to oversee the packaging process, supposedly. So... He set himself up in an office opposite the hallway to the women's bathrooms and would spend most of his days on the phone or just loitering again. By that time, we had a major staff overhaul and employed more skilled salespeople and management staff, so we were confident that Kevin would behave and we wouldn't have a repeat of last time, but unfortunately, this was short-lived as an admin assistant complained to HR that she saw Kevin having some alone time in his car outside while watching some of the girls who would go outside to smoke. 
Obviously, this kick-started the rumors of Kevin being a wrongan again, and his odd behavior did nothing to help, so we decided to seek legal help, and eventually we were able to back out of the contract. Kevin in our minds was long gone, and it would have been in early 2003 when I was working late at the office alone, when I saw a figure moving through the office towards my enclosed office at the back. I knew it wasn't security, or the cleaners, as security weren't permitted to enter offices without permission when a staff member was present, and the cleaners had left earlier. Besides, the cleaner we had was a rake-thin Asian woman, and this figure, which was now barreling towards me, was much, much larger in both height and width. I stood up and moved towards the door to lock it when I saw Kevin's face on the other side. Now, Kevin was a big guy, probably about 22 stone and around 6 foot 4, and I must have been around 12 stone and 6 foot 1, so he easily pushed back and barged in through the door. I can remember going for the phone to dial security when he got on top of me and instead of the beating I was expecting, he was trying to pull the watch off from my wrist. Confused but understandably pissed off, I tried getting him off me, but his weight was making it difficult to move. And I just remember him looking at me dead in the face without saying anything, eyes completely blank. Somehow I managed to get him off me. I think I managed to knee him or something and ran out to the reception area where I got security to apprehend Kevin, who was attempting to escape out of a fire exit. I wasn't hurt or anything and didn't press any charges, and he got a warning from the police and that was that. Last time I saw Kevin. Now this is when it gets bizarre. About three years ago I bumped into Carl in Monaco, and we got to talking about the old days when the topic of Crazy Kevin came up and I told him about the time he got into my office, jumped on me, and tried nicking my Rolex. And Carl was laughing along with me, and asked when exactly that was. I told him it was 03, and this is what he said. I can still remember it word for word. That couldn't have been long before he topped himself then. Shocked, naturally, I asked him to repeat what he said, and he did. He hanged himself in 03. Had no money at the end. I'm not sure if he told you, but he remarried this Thai girl who had a son. When he was liable to settle his contract with the American chaps, he tried bumping her off to get the life insurance money. Everything he had was on finance. Everything. Didn't own anything. I was completely gobsmacked. Kevin never even wore a wedding ring, and in all the years I had known him, we never once discussed a wife or a child. And although Carl was known to like to stir the pot a little bit, it turns out Kevin rented a house opposite Carl's brother-in-law. I tell you what, makes the stories about his first wife seem more plausible. I've also worked out why he went for my wrist. I think at first he was angry that we backed out of the contract, and he probably viewed us as responsible for his life spiraling out of control. So probably did want to beat the crap out of me. But I think the fact that he had no money and probably needed it quick to settle the contract and impending lawsuits, he decided to try and steal my watch to pawn it. This is just my theory though. He could have just been off his rocker.
I worked at a state prison in 2013 to 2014 as a corrections officer. I was 19 years old. The prison is located in the middle of the woods, and it's the only prison in my state that conducts executions. The prison layout was basically one very long horizontal hallway that was split into three sections, and each section has three wings, where CM, or close management inmates, are housed in individual cells and are on lockdown 23 hours a day. The further down the horizontal hallway you go, the worse the inmates get. Section 1 is Wings ABC, Section 2 DEF, Section 3 GHI. I worked in the last section where all of the death row inmates and psychiatric wings located. We had one particular inmate on the psychiatric wing that was a known murderer and cannibal. To get into his cell, it took two guards and two giant steel doors, where you would find him in a straitjacket strapped to a restraint chair, while wearing a mask to prevent him from eating himself. He had several scars of bite marks and cuts on himself where he had bitten chunks out of his own raw flesh out of his arms. This man was required to see a mental health specialist every week, at least twice a week. When the psychiatrist would come to evaluate the inmate, he would have to remove him from his cell and take him to an evaluation room located within the wing, where one of us guards would have to stand inside the eval room with the psychiatrist and the inmate, just in case he tried to do anything while another guard stood outside the door watching through the window. Every time the psychiatrist would come around, we all would talk about how creepy he was. He had a vibe about him that just made everyone uncomfortable. One day, I was standing inside the eval room with the cannibal and psychiatrist as he was evaluating the inmate. The inmate normally wouldn't respond to any questions, and would just growl slightly and constantly. The psychiatrist says... I know how it feels to have an urge to do something that others might not understand. Me and you both come from similar backgrounds, and I have always admired your work. With a dark grin across his face, the inmate just sat there listening and growling and clicking his teeth together as a psychiatrist said, I know it's hard for people like us in a world full of people that have emotions and feelings. I cannot remember the last time I felt something. In my 16 years of working here, I have never felt more connected to an inmate. The psychiatrist finishes his evaluation, and as he goes to leave the room, he looks at me and winks, while showing a large crooked grin from ear to ear, and says, Remember what's discussed in here is confidential and cannot be discussed with anyone other than us that are present. Also, I'm having a small party at my house next weekend if you want to come. As he goes to walk away, he just chuckles and keeps shaking his head back and forth. I couldn't help but think how creepy it was with the things he said, so at the end of my shift, I decided to go talk with my captain about the situation. Uh, captain, something weird happened today with the psychiatrist during the eval of inmate 48. I went on to explain all the details, to which his reply was, He's a weird mother ever. Always has been. He's tried to come on to a few dudes here. Just ignore him, man. I couldn't shake the feeling of how messed up the evaluation was. Fast forward six months, I wake up to headlines on the news about a mental health specialist that works at the state prison being arrested. The FBI had raided his house and found some pretty disturbing stuff. Twenty years prior, a 16-year-old boy was found killed and raped and his body dismembered and thrown into a dumpster. Law enforcement was not able to solve the case, apparently after several complaints against him. 
the state started their own investigation on the man, and then the FBI got involved. When they raided his home, they found some of the boy's belongings that was murdered 20 years prior, as well as blood that matched the victim, and souvenirs for several other apparent victims as well. The psychiatrist was arrested and charged with murder. In the video of his arrest, all you can see is him smiling and chuckling and shaking his head back and forth. To this day, I keep wondering what would have happened if I would have gone to his house for that party. After the evaluation incident, there was no way in heck I would have gone, but I wonder what would have happened if I had. Would I have been drugged, raped, murdered, or what? I have since left the prison and started a new life with my wife and our three kids, and I never, ever want to meet him again. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time. Shoot.